Hello, and welcome to the Royal Tribe Church podcast. We are a church poised with the vision of enabling individuals to discover their identity in Christ through sound biblical teaching. The sermon you're about to listen to is part of a sermon series titled The Greatest of All Time by Uche Ojuku. John 1.14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Be blessed as you listen. We started looking at a theme series uh, called The Greatest of All Time. And over the next few weeks, we want to continue that conversation because, I mean, like, we're getting close to Christmas. Many people are thinking about their holidays. Um, what have been holidays? I mean, uh, time with family, uh, time with friends, the gifts they're going to give, um, the whatever it is they're going to do, the food they're going to cook during this Christmas. And... What we need to understand even uh, more, uh, even in the midst of all of that, is uh, the reason why we're, we're in all of that. And uh, Christmas is a remembrance of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the fact that Jesus came into this world and he lived on earth. He walked, he walked this earth the same way we're walking it now. And it's a remembrance of who he is. So... If, if we are to celebrate Christmas, then we really need to understand, you know, this Jesus that came, why did he come? Uh, the Jesus that came, what did he come to do? What, what exactly was the plan? Why did Jesus send him down? And last week we looked at the greatest plan of all time uh, and how God tried to reconnect us back into his presence. Um, and we, we, we really started that conversation. And today we want to take it further. And it's my prayer that even as we continue in this conversation, the Lord shall open the eyes of our understanding. The Lord shall reveal himself to us in more ways than we can imagine in Jesus' precious name. Uh, let's read from Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I want to read from verse 12. I'm reading from New Living Translation. Romans chapter 5. We'll start from verse 12 down to verse 17. Verse 12 said, says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Verse 13, Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful gift and his gift of forgiveness to many through this one man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. 
For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins, for the sin of this one man, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all those who believe. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We worship your holy name. We give you the praise and the adoration. We thank you for another time in your presence. We thank you, Heavenly Father, because we know that you are going to open our eyes today. We know that you are going to teach us something new today. We know, Heavenly Father, that you are going to um, touch our hearts, Lord God Almighty, for every single person who is listening, for every single person who is watching this right now under the sound of my voice. Heavenly Father, we ask that you touch them. We ask, O oh Lord God Almighty, that you bless every single person in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory and honor be unto your name, Lord God Almighty. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we want to look at the greatest substitute of all time. The greatest substitute of all time. The greatest substitute of all time. When I say that, what really comes to mind is um, football, obviously. And, um, you know, some of us watch football, some of us don't. But what I really love about it is, you know, in football, there's something they refer to some certain players as super subs. Meaning that when they bring on this sub, they know that this sub is going to change the whole game. When the manager of the football team brings on that substitution, it's known as a super sub. Meaning that that substitution comes in and the person is expected or maybe the person maybe may have scored a goal or maybe scored a couple of goals or maybe assisted a goal or completely changed the whole game, for example, or something like that. That's known as a super sub. Today, we want to look at the greatest substitute of all time. And it's just a complete con continuation of what we spoke about last week Sunday. You know, last week Sunday, we spoke a lot about how um, God came and God had a plan and how Adam lost that presence in God um, because Adam had sinned. And then God went through life. Um, we went through, you know, people after people from Adam to Noah to Moses to uh, Abraham, different people all through did not have that redemption. And then Jesus came and Jesus, uh, the reason for Jesus coming and the plan for bringing Jesus to this earth was because he was the plan that was supposed to draw us back to the presence of God. Back to the presence that Adam was chased away from in the Garden of Eden. And that is what we want to continue today. We want to talk about the greater substitutes. Because even from what we talked about last week, we saw that the reason God had sent Jesus down to earth... The reason that Jesus even came, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. So God loved the world that he gave his son, gave his son as a substitute for what we were meant to be. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So what the scripture we even read about in Romans chapter 5 was that many people all through had always been disobeying God. But some of them, they didn't even know they were sinning. Why? Because there was no law. And then the law came, but all the law did was the law just showed people their sin. The law could never vindicate you from it. The law could never make you righteous. The law could never give you a solution to the sin. So all the law did back then 
was to just show you that, oh, look at the sins you've committed. And that was it. You were just being made aware of your sin. But the solution came by because Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he came and he took our place. And that's why we refer to him as the greatest substitute of all time. He came and he took our place on the cross. You know, 2 Corinthians, Paul was speaking and he said something significant. He said, you have been bought with a price. He said, you have been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. What price was that? Is that Jesus laid down his life and shed his blood. Why? So we could have eternal life. We could have eternal life. So he bought us. And so therefore, we now say we belong to Jesus. We now belong to God. Why? Because he has come and he has taken our place. He came and he took our place in sickness. He came and he took our place in failure. He came and he took our place in disappointment. He came and he took our place in shame. He came and he took our place in depression. He came and he took our place in everything that whatever the devil had had planned for us. Because you see, the devil had thought he had succeeded by Jesus dying. But he didn't know that there was an amazing twist coming up. And the greatest twist of that is that Jesus, God raised Jesus again. He raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, and I'm just giving a foundation before we really start going into it. The Bible says that as Christ was raised, so we were now raised with him. That was what the devil never anticipated. He didn't see that coming. Maybe I should have tied to the sermon, the greatest twist of all time. Because the devil didn't see that coming. He didn't see that coming because in Jesus being raised again from the dead, in Jesus coming back to life, Jesus then gave us something that no other person had before. That was redemption. After taking our place on the cross. Because everything we were meant to do, everything we were meant to go through, the price we were made to pay, there was... There's nothing to pay anymore. So any single time the devil comes with some condemnation, what do we say? We say we've got the blood of Jesus that was shed for us on the cross of Calvary. That's what we say. So when he comes with sickness, we bring forth the blood. Why? Because the blood was what was paid for that. So when we have sickness, what do we do? We bring out the blood and we say, hold on. This paid the price for this. When failure comes, when depression comes, when sadness comes, when the burdens that the devil just tries to just make us believe or thoughts that the devil tries to make us believe or temptations he puts in our way. We bring out the blood and we say, this is what was paid for this. The price has been paid. The price has been paid. He was made a substitute for us. And so last week we spoke about what we termed as the greatest, as the saddest day in God's life. But you see, there are two of them. The first one, as we discussed last week, was when God had to send the one that he absolutely loved out of his presence. Why? Because man had decided to take decisions into his own hand and did the one thing that God had told him not to do. But you see, God had then made a substitute and brought someone in. But there's also another day that made God so sad. 
And it was the day that Jesus had taken every single thing, every single burden, every single pain, every single shame. And he had taken it all on himself. Every single sin. Because as we said last week, the fact that God is loving doesn't mean that his love overshadows his justice. Because he's just and he's loving. And so Jesus took the whole sin of the world and then he lay on the cross. But the father could not bear sin. Even though the father loved the son with every part of him. He said he gave his only begotten son. He was his only begotten son and he loved him with every part of him. But Jesus had taken the sin of the world on himself. And so the father could not bear. Look at his own son. Whom he sent. The same son that he said when the son went for baptism. He said this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God was so pleased with Jesus. But he could not bear look at the sin. On the cross, which was why Jesus said, my father, why have you forsaken me? Because the father had to turn his face away from sin. That was the sin that Jesus took all on the cross for us. He said he paid the price. So the Bible says that Jesus died. And on the third day, he rose again. When he rose, we all rose with him. And as we go on today, we just want to talk about what do we get for being substituted now that the price has been paid? Now that the price has been paid, what do we get? Yes, fine, Jesus came. Yes, the greatest plan of all time was executed. What do we get? Yes, the greatest substitute of all time took our place and paid the price. What then do we get? What do we get? How does that impact our life? How does that impact my day today? How does that impact my thinking? How does that impact my speech? How does that impact the way I interact with people? How does that impact every part of my life? How does that impact me? Because we talk every time about how Jesus died, but how should he affect my life? What changes about me? What should change about me? If I say yes, truly, okay, fine. I receive this Jesus. I believe in him. I confess him. I still have struggles every day. What shall I then do? What did I get? If Jesus truly paid the price and he did everything that I should have done, what do I get? What do, what do we get? What did we get for being substituted? Firstly, we become the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God. You see, one of the um, misconceptions that we have as Christians is being able to distinguish between right living and righteousness. Because there's a difference between right living and righteousness. You see, when Jesus died, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, peradventure you're listening to me right now, and by the time I finish speaking, I will ask for those who want to give their lives to Jesus. And you've, you've heard the word, you believe the word, and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
And as you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you are righteous. Have you done anything? No. Have you lived right? No. Because you just gave your life to Christ. So you haven't, you haven't had the chance to live right. Right? But you're righteous at that point. At the point where you give your life to Christ, you are righteous before God. You are righteous. You could not be more righteous than that. You are just as righteous as Jesus is. You can't grow in righteousness. You can't do something to be righteous. You can't do something to be more righteous. Glory to God. The Bible called righteousness a gift. Let's look at it. In our uncle's scripture, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Let's look at verse 17. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Bible says, For the sin of one man, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. And his gift of righteousness. He said, But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all those who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man. He said, and his gift of righteousness, meaning that righteousness is a gift. When you accept Jesus and believe him in your heart, you're being given that gift. You don't have to do anything for it. You don't attain that righteousness. You don't work towards being more righteous as you go about your Christian journey. No. That was one of the reasons why he died on the cross, why he paid the price, why we got substituted so he could go on there. And after he finished it, he gave us the righteousness and said, take this gift. You are now righteous. So before God, you are now righteous. That's it. Before God, you are now righteous. It doesn't matter what may have gone on in your past. It doesn't matter what you may have done a minute before that. It doesn't matter whatever may have happened all through your life before that. From that point on, you are righteous before God. Glory to God. You are righteous before God. So don't ever think to yourself, oh, how can I be more righteous? No. No. Don't ever think to yourself, how can I be more righteous? It's not something you achieve after some point in time. That's not what righteousness is. You don't grow in righteousness. You don't increase in righteousness. You can't be more righteous tomorrow if you prayed 40 days and 40 nights and saw God. And maybe God even took you on a vision to heaven and back. You are not more righteous than you were before that. You are not more righteous than you were before that. So that's one of the things we get for being substituted. We become the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God. Let's look at that scripture again. Romans 5 verse 17. I have a feeling in my heart someone, needs to, someone just needs to get this. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. Because maybe you've been struggling to attain righteousness. And you've been asking everyone, how can I attain this righteousness? Romans 5, 17, it says again, For sin, for the sin of one man, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. It says, For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin. I love that. 
He said we'll live in triumph over sin. Our triumph over sin is by that gift. Our triumph over sin is by that gift. You know, some people think they could never ever triumph over sin. Some believe they could never triumph over sin. To be honest, many believe it's not many believe they could never triumph over sin. But then the scriptures will be wrong. The scripture will be wrong if that was the case. Because he's literally just said now that for all who receive it, which is the gift of righteousness that was given to you once you gave your life to Christ, he said they will live in triumph over sin. They will live in triumph over sin. Meaning that through righteousness you live above sin. Through righteousness you live above sin. I was speaking in the youth church one day and I asked the question and I said, and if we were still gathering physically, maybe I would have asked it. And I said, how many people believe that or believe that they will sin in this coming week? How many people believe that they will still sin this coming week? How many people just believe that, yeah, this week they will sin? Almost everybody raised their hand. And I said, the problem is You expect yourself to sin. And that's the problem. you, You have the expectation of yourself that you will sin. But why not have the expectation of yourself that you have the gift of righteousness and through the gift of righteousness, you have triumph. You now triumph over sin. Meaning that you now live above it. Why not have that expectation? Rather than having the expectation that, look, sin is not a, a thing of when. Sin is not a thing of when. When, we, when. when God gave us the gift of righteousness, sin is not a when thing. If it were a when thing, the Bible would not be true. I know many people have this concept in their mind, but it's what the Bible says. Through the gift of salvation, we have triumph over sin. Meaning we live above it. Meaning that the devil comes with some temptations before, before you. And you just, you just think to yourself that, hold on, I'm above this. I'm bigger than this. I'm greater than this. I'm sitting together with Christ in high places, above all of this. I've triumphed over sin through the gift of righteousness. So I wouldn't fall for this. I wouldn't fall for this. This is the mentality I believe Joseph had. This is the mentality I believe Joseph had. So because when Potiphar's wife went to Joseph, Joseph talked to himself, hold on a second. Hold on a second. My body may want this, but my spirit knows that this isn't right. And so I can't do this thing against God and man. Because even though my body wants it, I know my spirit doesn't want it. And because I walk according to spirit and not according to the flesh, I would follow the leading of my spirit. And so I will live above this. Glory to God. Glory to God. So don't live your life thinking that sin is a thing of when. No, sin is not a thing of when. Sin is not a thing of when. Sin is a thing of if. Because Paul was speaking and this is what Paul said. He said, we have an advocate in heaven. He said, if, he said, I I pray for you that you live above sin. He said, but if you sin, if you sin, if you sin, we have an advocate. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. First John chapter 2. I don't want it to look like I'm saying all of this out of, out of my mind. So let's look at scripture. First John chapter 2. And I, I want it up on the screen so that we can all see it. I'm reading from New Living Translation. First John chapter 2 from verse 1. It says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you would not sin. It said, I'm writing this to you so that you would not sin. Okay, now, if it was not possible to live in triumph over sin, he would not be telling them that I'm writing to you so that you would not sin. Then he now says, but if, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case. So it's if anyone does sin. So it's like, and he's telling you, I'm writing to you that you would not sin. Meaning you can live above this. Well, we know that different people are in different stages in their growth in Christ. And so if you find yourself falling, not that you expected yourself to fall. Because if you expect yourself to fall every day, you will keep falling every day. Your expectation will be met. Your expectation will be met. But if peradventure you did not expect to sin, but you found yourself fallen, what do you then do then? You now have an advocate in heaven. Glory to God. So you, it's not like you sinned because you have an advocate in heaven. No. So that's a mentality. Why? Because we live above that because we've got the gift of righteousness. Glory to God. We've got the gift of righteousness. Number two, what do we get from being substituted? We get life. We get life. Glory to God. 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 First James. I said first James. James chapter 1. I said first James and it looks like someone was opening their Bible. First James. James chapter 1. Verse 18. James chapter 1 verse 18 and it says, He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we out of all creation became His prized possession. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we out of all creation became his prized possession. What do we get for being substituted? The Bible says that we get life. He came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. We have life and we have the nature of God through redemption. We have the nature and the life of God through redemption. We have the nature and the life of God through redemption. You need to get it. You have the nature of God in you. You have the nature of God in you. You've got the life and the nature of God inside of you. You've got the nature and the life of God inside of you. I love how 1 John chapter 4 verse 4 puts it. 1 John 4 verse 4. Looking at, from, um, looking at it from the New King James. He says, you are of God, little children. He said, you are of God. Meaning that it's like, it's like, when, when he says you are of God, it's like saying 
a cob is off his mother. It's like a saying, a baby goat is off his mother. When something is off, something else. It's like something, it was birthed off it. So you are of God. Meaning like, it's like God gave birth to you. That's what, the, that's what the new life, that's what redemption gave. That's what being substituted gave to us. You see, in John 3.16, the Bible said, and for God so loved the world, we all know the scripture, that he gave what? His only begotten son. Jesus was the only begotten son of the father. The only begotten son. But you see, after redemption, that changed. That changed after redemption. Because if we look at the scripture we looked at before, in James chapter 1 verse 18, he said he chose to give birth to us. He chose to give birth to us. So if God chose to give birth to us, then we are now children of God. The same way Jesus was the son of God, we are now sons and daughters of God. So it's not about Jesus being the only. Before he died, he was the only. But after he died and we roll and he rose again and we rose with him, we now became siblings. That's why the Bible then says we are joint heirs together with Christ. Glory to God. That's why the Bible now says we are joint heirs. It's like a family goes and has, they have, they have a child. The first child they have. If they were to give everything, they'll give everything to the child because it's the only child they have. If they were to give up their whole possession and inheritance, they'll give it all to the child because that's the only child, right? But if they have another child, what then happens? They've got to give the other child something. So what do they then do? They then split the inheritance that they only gave the first one to the two children. And if they have a third, they then have to split it somehow. So Jesus was called the only because before then, before redemption, before he had died and risen and rose again, he was the only. But then after rising up, after we believe, after we receive the gift of righteousness, it's not just him, it's you and I. We are children of God. We are the begotten of the Father. Glory to God. Bible says we are joint heirs together with Christ. That's what the Bible says. He said he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. He chose to give birth to us. He chose to give birth to us. If God gave birth to us, then we have the nature of God. You have the nature of God on the inside of you. You're not just an ordinary person. You've got the nature of God on the inside of you. You've got the nature of God on the inside of you. If you're joined us together with Christ, then it means that the same access that Jesus has. You see, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he said, everything that the Father has, I have. Anything that the Father owns is mine. I need you to follow this. Jesus said to his disciples, everything that the Father owns is mine. If everything the Father owned was Jesus, and we are joined us together with Jesus, then clearly every single thing that was given to Jesus also belongs to us. This is scripture. I didn't think about it myself. It's not like I've had some Eureka amazing moment. No. It's just what the scripture said. 
It's, lit it's literally just what the Bible said. John 16 from verse 15, he said it. He said, what belongs to the Father is mine. That's what he said. He said, what belongs to the Father is mine. This is the beauty and the glory of being redeemed by God. But the thing is, we need to live in the reality of it. We need to live in the reality of it. It's not just something you read in a book. It's something that you live in the reality of. Meaning that you wake up and you know that you've got the nature of God on the inside of you. That you've got the spirit of God on the inside of you. That you're not just normal. No, that you are a child and the son of a living God. You are a son of a living God. You are the son of a living God. You are the son of a living God. Meaning that God... God does not just raise ordinary people. God raises kings. God raises queens. God raises priests. God raises people who are special, who are called for a divine purpose. He said you are royalty. He said you are royalty. That's something different. You're not just a normal person walking around. You don't just go around begging and talking anyhow. No, you have a realization on the inside of you that I'm born for something greater. I'm born for something more. Why? Because I've got the nature of God inside of me. The way I walk, the way I talk, the way I speak, the way that I carry myself. I have to carry myself as a, with, with a different sort of thought process. I mean, you can't just go live life the way everybody lives it. You can't just go doing everything the way everybody does it. The world cannot just keep doing what you're doing and then you're going along with them. No. He said you are his prized possession. He said you are his prized possession. I'm going to read that James 1, 9, 1, 1, 18 again. He said, I chose to give birth to you by word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Let's look at it from New King James. James chapter 1 verse 18. New King James. James 1.18 he said, He said, Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruit of his creations, of his creatures. He said that we might be a kind of first fruit of his creatures, that we may be a kind of first fruit. Meaning of all creatures that were made. Glory to God. Of all creatures that were made. I am. I am. I am a kind of first fruit. I am a different kind. I'm a different speck. I'm a speck. You know, you go around, you talk. You, it's not. It's, some people think it's a realization. Look, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm, I'm a special speck. I have the God nature inside of me. Paul said, I will only boast. I would not boast um, uh, in the world, but I will boast in, in God. And this is the boast make that we make. Because he died for this. He died to give us this. So we better be proud of it. Because Jesus laid down his life for this cause. Jesus died so he would give this to us. So if you're acting like, oh, you can't really speak about it. You know, I don't want to act like, you know, I don't want to, you know, make it look as if I don't want to talk too much about, you know, what God gave me. No, Jesus died for this thing. He died so you would have it and enjoy it. Glory to God. He died that you would enjoy it. He died that you would live in the fulfillment of it. He died that you would live in the fulfillment of it. 
So your life isn't just an ordinary life. Don't ever think to yourself that your life is an ordinary life. Don't ever think to yourself that your life is an ordinary life. He said that you are his prized possession. Not just that. He said that you were special kind. The first fruit of all his creatures. That's the life he came to give you. That's why we call it the greatest substitution of all time. Because through that substitution, we have this kind of life. The God kind of life. We have the God kind of life. So when we speak, we ought to ask ourselves, am I speaking as God will speak? If I've got the inheritance that Jesus has, am I acting that way? Am I acting that way? It's not only just realizing it, but it's also thinking to yourself, how can I make other people find this treasure as well? This is gold. How can I make other people see this? Because your entire personality will change. I guarantee you. You get this into your spirit, you start walking and living in it, your entire personality changes. Your entire personality changes. I was telling someone the other day, if you keep telling me I'm an idiot from today till five years later, keep texting me I'm an idiot, it's not going to change anything in me. I will never be, I will not be demotivated once. I will never I won't be demotivated once. I will not lose any sense of esteem once. It would not even cross my thoughts. If every time you saw me, you said there's nothing in your head, you are, you are useless, it will not make an it won't, it won't make a dent. Because this is where I get my own. I, this, this thing is, is I, I get it inside of my spirit. Nothing around me that I see would change the fact that I know this about myself. The word of God said this about me and so I believe it. And I've embedded it into my own spirit. I've embedded it into my own spirit. If you embed it into your spirit, it doesn't matter what anybody says around you. You walk with the knowledge that you are God's prized possession. You're something special. Glory to God. You're something special. I'm something special. Hallelujah. Thirdly and finally, what do we get? We get an inheritance. I've already spoken about that. We get an inheritance. We get an inheritance. We get an inheritance. Romans chapter 8 verse 7. Which I've already quoted, he said, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, we are heirs together with Christ Jesus. We are heirs together with Christ. We are heirs of God's glory. Romans 8, 17. He said, but if we share of his glory, we must also share in his suffering. And he talks about how the glory of the later, latter is far greater than the glory of, how the, um, the glory of later is better than the suffering of the now. Glory to God. We have an inheritance. We're royalty, you know. When you live in this redemption, you're royalty. This isn't something to make you feel good. No. This is something you walk in every day. It's a reality that you have to just walk in every day. You walk in that reality every day. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is the life that God came to give us. This is what we get. This is what we get. This is what we get. 
He came to substitute our shame. He took it away. He took away the shame so that he can come give us this life, the life of royalty. He came and he took away the shame and gave us glory. He came and took away sickness and then he gave us health. He came and he took away death and he gave us life. He took away sadness and he gave us rejoicing. He took away sorrow and he gave us joy. He took away fear and he gave us faith. He took away depression for an outburst of joy through his spirit. Glory to God. He took away confusion so that you and I would have divine direction. That was what the greatest substitute of all time came to do. That was what the greatest substitute of all time came to do. Burden that you think is too heavy for you. He said, come unto me, all those who are burdened. He came to take that away. One of the things he came to show us was that, look, I could take away every single thing that makes you sad, that gives you pain, that gives you sorrow. He said, I will give you rest. He doesn't want us to live in confusion. He wants to give us divine direction. So he sent his Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can live inside of us and can direct us through every step of the way. That was why he sent his Holy Spirit. I don't know if you see a pattern here, but I see a pattern and the pattern I see here is that God just has his, my best interest at heart. That's the pattern I see here. God has your best interest at heart. That's the pattern I see. For someone to come and start telling me, hold on, is that burden too heavy for you? Let me help you. Let me help you. Jesus wants to come into your life and change it and transform it. And he wants to take away every single thing in you that is not part of the life that he came to give. That's it. And you live in that life and you live in joy. Irrespective. Look, he puts us in different challenges most times. So that he can build us up. And as we grow, because we must always desire to grow. As we grow, we know more and we learn more about him. And the more we know, the more we want to know. And the more we learn about him, the more we want to learn about him. But let's live in the reality of this. Let's live in the reality of this. Let's live in the reality of this. I could go on and on about points that he, he came to give us. But I just want to stop here today. And if you just go about your week having the realization that, hold on, I am the righteousness of God. The righteousness is a gift that was given unto me. I don't attain the righteousness by the works that I do. No. Yes, I want to please God. I don't want to do something that will hurt him. The same way if you're in a relationship with anyone, you don't want to do anything that will hurt them. Or it's not by that mentality that I become righteous with him. No, I was already righteous with him. Right from the time I surrendered my life to him. And then knowing that, oh, the life that I live has the nature of God on the inside. The life that I live has the nature of God on the inside. Yes, the life that I live, I have an inheritance. I'm joint heirs together with Christ. I'm joint heirs together with Christ. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Perhaps you're watching today and honestly you're thinking to yourself, I'm not really sure about Jesus. Jesus comes into your life and he changes it and he completely transforms you. He changes your life forever and he transforms who you are. He transforms who you are. He transforms who you are. Yeah. I call it the beautiful exchange. That's why I call it the beautiful exchange. Why? Because he took away every rubbish that was inside of us and gave us beauty. He gave us beauty. He gave us beauty for our lives. Glory to God. Gave us beauty on the inside of us. Glory to God. Jesus brings beauty on the inside of you. If you receive him and accept him as your Lord and Savior, he brings beauty on the inside of you. He changes your life. He takes away the burdens. He takes away the burdens. And so whatever challenge you may even go through after that, you have an inner joy on the inside. Why? Because you know and you believe what he said, that he would never leave you nor forsake you. Said he would never leave you nor forsake you. Glory to God. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. So he's there with you. You say, but why is he not turning my circumstance and my situation around? Why do I still have to go through challenges? He wants you to grow. See, if you love someone so much, you would want them to grow. No matter how much your parents loved you so much, at some point, they had to stop feeding you the food. At some point, they had to leave you to start attempting to take it yourself. Is it because they didn't love you? Or could you imagine if I came here today and I said, oh, I came late because my parents didn't wake up early to, to, to bathe me. It wouldn't make sense. They had to leave me to do these things myself. Why? Because I was growing. And as you grow, God leaves some certain things so that you can begin to learn how to handle it. Handle it with his presence. Handle it in understanding what he said about you. Handle it in using his name, which we're going to talk about. Glory to God. Jesus wants you and he wants to give you this life. He wants to give you that gift of righteousness we spoke about. That you would have triumph over sin. Have you struggled with sin for so long? There is victory. Through the gift of righteousness. There is victory through the gift of righteousness. Glory to God. Someone needs to hear this. There is victory over sin through the gift of righteousness. There is victory over sin through the gift of righteousness. If you would receive Jesus and take the gift once you accept him, you begin to live above sin. And if you walk in that reality... He has already provided a solution. Paradventure, not in the guarantee that you sin. Paradventure, you still fall. There is still a solution because this Bible says that there is an advocate there who is pleading on your behalf, who is saying, oh, I shed my blood for him. I shed my blood for her. He, he has redemption. He's forgiven. She's welcome here. Glory to God. You want to receive Jesus? I just want you to say this prayer after me. And then we would sing a song. Just say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I welcome you into my heart. 
as my Lord and Savior. Wash me with my wash me with your precious blood. For I believe in my heart that you died for me. And on the third day you rose again. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Thank you heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. Come and direct and order my footsteps that the name of the Father will be glorified in Jesus precious name. If you've said that prayer, then a massive congratulations to you. We want to hear from you. We want to know the amazing things that God is doing in your life. You don't have to go through life this way. You have people who you can tell us your story, we can tell you ours. So there's an email that you can send an email to. It's contact at royaltribechurch.org. There's a phone number that you can call. Maybe you've looked around and you say, I don't have Christian friends. How am I going to go about a Christian journey? You can give us a call, send us an email. Maybe you have questions concerning what's been spoken about. You don't really understand it. You want greater clarity. Send that email. We want to hear from you as well. In the name of the Lord will be glorified. Thank you for listening to the Royal Tribe Church podcast. If you'd like to share how you've been blessed, you can get in touch with us by sending an email to contact at royaltribechurch.org or if you'd like to know more about us, you can visit our website at royaltribechurch.org. Remember to follow us on social media. That's Royal Tribe Church on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Thanks again for joining us.